0: I sat down in my chair this afternoon to get some writing done to start a new chapter in the growing pile of words that I'm kind of hoping becomes my next book. When I looked up, a couple hours had passed and I was two thousand words closer to knowing where that book was taking me. It doesn't always go this well. Often the flow doesn't come, blocked by distractions and too much getting in my own way. But I'm learning to get more reliably into the flow and get my work beyond the shallows. I'm David Dushman. This is Take Me Deeper, episode 8 of A Beautiful Anarchy. Let's talk about it. The work of most creative people runs the gamut from the trivial day to day tasks that are necessary, but rather shallow, to the vital and deep, the stuff we hope might endure. That gamut includes everything from emptying the dishwasher, posting to Instagram, or heading out to Staples to buy more pens to sitting down, to write, or locking yourself into the studio so you can work. Much of it, like the emails and the need to update your Etsy store or blog, isn't exactly the stuff we dream about when we think about the work, though often necessary. But if we're not careful, it can be the stuff that dams up the river and blocks the flow. We could spend our life in the shallows. Where I think we get into trouble is when we mistake the necessary but shallow stuff for the real work of making our art. Or if we're not confusing one with the other, we're letting one get in the way of the other. Last year, I noticed something had started to go off kilter in my own work, and that was the slow drift away from my most important work, the work I hope one day will be part of my legacy, my photography and increasingly my writing, which was getting pushed aside by an avalanche of lots of little things, many of them good things, but none of them were very deep. What I've learned is that our most important work, the deep work, doesn't happen accidentally in the margins of our lives, but in large chunks. Chunks that are large enough for flow to happen. Chunks that are big enough that we have room to make mistakes and redirect our efforts. In other words, we need time to get that work past the obvious and into deeper waters. In episode three, I talked about time and some of the simple ways in which we can reclaim larger chunks of it. At some point, I'll tackle that subject in greater depth. But if you missed that episode, it is there for the listening. We need blocks of time, not slivers. But I can sit for two hours and get an astonishing amount of nothing done. It's not just the block of time. We also need focus and solitude. Focus is a resource that is getting harder and harder to protect as more and more demands are made on us and as we allow ourselves to fragment our attention into smaller and smaller pieces. Despite a rash of articles citing so-called research over the last 10 years, our attention spans or our capacity to pay attention are not getting shorter. But the things to which we are trying to pay attention are growing as fast as our continued belief in our ability to multitask and deal meaningfully with several things at once, despite the real and actual research that shows we can't. More to the point, there is no such thing as productive multitasking, and yet we are all trying. To do so. There is no shortage of obstacles to living a fulfilling, productive, creative life. And if we're being honest, many of our obstacles are self-inflicted. The need to get a lot of things done drives many of us to multitask, asking our brains to do something for which they don't have the capacity, splitting our attention and not only getting less done, but sabotaging our ability to do better creative work. I know this because in an effort to prove that multitasking could be done, I did some research and I kept bumping into hard evidence that proved otherwise. And ultimately, I realized I was getting a lot done, but it wasn't getting done as well as I knew it could be. It was becoming quantity over quality, and that's not what I want my legacy to be. Multitasking or attention splitting of any kind has serious adverse effects, not only on our work, but on ourselves. In 2011, a study coming out of the University of California, San Francisco, showed that multitasking negatively affects our short-term memory. It also leads to loss of focus and anxiety and an increased inability to think creatively. Multitasking prevents us from getting into a state of flow and causes us to make more mistakes and be less productive. In other words, you can multitask, but it is killing your ability to do your best work. Your deeper work is suffering. It might be time to kill the distractions and treat your attention like the valuable and limited resource that it is in creative work. I'm still learning to do this, but it has been a long time since I've allowed the attention-stealing notifications on my phone or laptop. So when I sit down to write, the ringer on my phone goes off. I turn the phone over so I can't even see the screen, and I write far better and longer and with more flow than I could ever do with the constant notifications. Even when we don't respond to the incoming texts and the calls and the emails, when we see them come in, they pull us out of flow, they make demands on our attention, and they dilute the focus that we need to do our deeper work. While I'm doing this deeper work, I find I need about two hours uninterrupted for it to be meaningful. That means no phone calls, no social media, no emails, none of those. I'll just check to see if moments that you'll look up from 45 minutes later wondering what you picked the phone up for in the first place. Do it the way you need to, but know that if you want to do your best work, it needs to be undistracted. The brain is a wonder, but it can't deal with competing things at the same time. These days, this is a choice we need to make with strategies that we must intentionally put into play. by default everything is set to maximum distraction. The other obstacle that we're facing more and more is a loss of solitude. We have never been so connected. Our minds have never been so exposed to other minds. As much as we need collaboration and a variety of inputs, the loss of significant meaningful alone time puts us at risk of losing individuality and independent thought. It's not a coincidence that the great minds of history all took great pains to do their work alone and sought solitude as a regular and uninterrupted part of their creative process. Solitude isn't only being in a room without other people. It's being in a space where your mind isn't talking to other minds. In other words, there's no benefit to being alone with your work if you're interacting with others online or texting. The point is focus. If you want flow, you need focus. True solitude gives your brain time to think about your work and the problems that you are trying to solve without being pulled into the thoughts and concerns of other minds. Even when all you're talking about is you and your work, it gives you time to develop your ideas beyond the most obvious thoughts and solutions to really process your own thinking thinking that will make your work a reflection of you and not merely the homogenous result of crowdsourcing. At the risk of looking like that Luddite who's always whining about social media, the equivalent of that old guy who's always yelling, get off my lawn, let me suggest that this is yet another area in which our intentional use of that tool is needed to keep us from going off the rails. As a photographer, this new technology makes it easy and way too tempting to make a series of photographs, do some edits, and post them all online for public consumption in less time than it used to take to rewind a roll of film and put a new one in. The same is true of writing or anything else that can be consumed digitally. The danger of this is that we're asking other people to weigh in with opinions and thoughts about our work before we have had a chance, because we need time for this, to form our own opinions about that work before we've had a chance to live with those photographs and react to them, allowing them to give us new direction and new ideas. It takes time to know whether this image or that image is the final image or whether this piece of writing is the final writing or whether it's just really a crappy first draft that needs a little more work. And when we put that work out there, whether we call it done or not, we put it out there so quickly, we're not giving ourselves or our work the chance to incubate a while without the input of other people. Input can be good, it's necessary at times, but the kind of feedback we get when we ask the internet is always a mixed bag. When we ask everyone with an opinion what they think about our work, they'll tell us. But we have no idea if these people have any taste whatsoever or any experience with the creative process, whether they understand or are willing to even try to understand what we want to accomplish with our work before they go sounding off on it. Expose your work to enough people and the feedback will be so wildly all over the map and varied that it will be useless and will give you nothing but a sense that some people like it and some people don't. That's not new. We already knew that and it's not helpful. Your most important work is your deep work, the book, the body of work, the new album, whatever core thing that you do. And the biggest threat to your deep work is often the shallow stuff, the little things that fill the time needed to do the bigger things. As more and more of that little stuff demands our attention and time, allows us the impression that we're getting it done is the same as doing our real work, the more possible it is that we are neglecting the bigger projects. The things on which careers, reputations, and legacies are actually built. We could spend all year running in circles, chasing the little things, and get to the end of that year without accomplishing any more than maintenance. No legacy work, nothing larger than a few really great emails and Facebook posts. No one is going to look back at their Twitter feed and their to-do lists and see it as meaningful, creative work. When's the last time you set aside time to do your best work free from distractions, completely free from them? When is the last time you made it a priority and yelled, hold my calls, even if that means just turning off the phone yourself? Is the frustration over doing less of the work that stirs your soul and makes you happy? Is it because you've never called that work out as important? Could it be that you've seen all the work in your creative life as equal? So the stuff that gets done is always and only the urgent things that clamor loudest for your attention, but not the important things with the real work sitting quietly in the back, waiting for you to give it time and attention, the focus and the solitude that it needs to get done and done well. If you won't make that happen, if you won't take that work deeper, who will? Those are my questions. If you've got questions of your own, I would love to hear them and have a chance to discuss them. If you go to a abeautifulanarchy.com, you'll find an easy way to ask those questions and make this a little more of a dialogue than the rather one-sided conversation that it is now. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for joining me. Go make something beautiful.